Before we begin today's show, we're all looking forward to the beginning of the NBA season next week. And you know who particularly can't wait? ESPN's own Stanford Steve. I'm sure he's chopping at the bit to put down some money on the Lakers to win it all, or Luka Doncic to win MVP, or whatever bet his heart desires. And if you're like him and enjoy making money and watching sports at the same time, then Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast is for you. If you want to check it out, just download and subscribe to it wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Wednesday evening. Joining us from Los Angeles, Ramona Shelburne. Hi, Momo. What's up? And joining us from Dallas is uh, the man of the hour today because uh, he had a tremendous story and, a, and, and, a, and another legendary back and forth in, a, in an interview setting with uh, this time James Harden. It's Tim Band McMahon. Um, Howdy, partners. If you're banned from James Harden's next uh, white uh, all white party that he uh, used to have in the well, summer, I tell you what, I think my my hopes and dreams of being able to join James for a night out on the on the town for a story probably have ended. But uh, I wasn't real optimistic about that anyway. So, just for the viewers who did not catch your, I mean, I I don't even know how you thought of such a great question in the moment. Can you just kind of recap? what that conversation with James was like this morning? Well, obviously, the guy goes to Atlanta and Vegas when camp was opening. So I asked him what was the point that he was trying to get across. He said, I was just training and being a curious type because I've done similar sorts of training, probably at a much lower price point. But I I asked him, what was he training for? He said the start of the season, if that's the case, if that sort of training gets you ready for the start of the NBA season, I'm pretty sure I can go get somebody a double-double right now. (laughs) (laughs) Did he glower at you? Did he do the side eye, you know, the Uh, move? There was a a neck, kind of a neck pop in there at at one point when I asked. Mm -hmm. I did follow it up, and I said, what was the benefit of going to Atlanta and – Vegas if the Rockets were practicing in Houston and he said he was just working with his personal trainers which you know in some of those establishments there are some impressive feats of athleticism I'm not sure how that <laughs> translates to the basketball floor but you know there's a lot of uh you know a lot of balance, things that I don't yeah. balance can be important exactly well um, you know Tim you're making it hard on him because he's trying to be professional and he's trying to like make his trade value as good for the Rockets as it can be. And no, he's not. That's not, I mean, he's not, I mean, he may be trying that now, but he wasn't a week ago. <laughs> um, but, well, and, and, and listen, the story that I wrote, it's not like anybody who's considering trading for James Harden was shocked by a revelation in there. I can absolutely assure you of that. These are, you know, and people understand kind of the way James Harden operates around the NBA, they also understand that he's going to be able to average 35 points efficiently, you know, eight to 10 assists per game. Every Everything in that story was understood by, you know, the, the people who were going to have trade discussions with the Rockets previously, including, obviously, Daryl Morey, who, <laughs> you know, if you ask people with the Rockets, you say, who's the primary person to blame for, the culture being whatever James wants and that getting out of control. 
of course, they're all trying to point the figure, you know, up towards Philly and say, it was Daryl, it was Daryl, it was Daryl. That said, you know, this is a very good story. I encourage everybody to go read it. You know, the Tim that uh, published today, and you had covered some of these themes in previous podcasts um, about uh, how you think that the the Rockets, you know, their sort of history of treating hard and kind of put them in this bind. But Ramona, you know, I'm just going to say, it is not unusual for superstar players to get the kind of perks that Harden got. Now, we can debate about whether Harden was responsible with those because, you know, in this story, uh, McMahon writes about how Westbrook had some of the same similar perks in Oklahoma City that Harden enjoyed in uh, in Houston or enjoys in Houston, which is, you know, setting the travel schedule, setting the practice uh, schedule, uh, sort of showing up and going when, when he when he pleases, but Westbrook, you know, uh, was way more uh, focused on, uh, you know, being on time, being professional than Harden was, and the same with LeBron. I mean, LeBron was changing the Cavs' uh, travel procedures in like 2006. <laughs> um, but you want to get on LeBron's wrong side, show up late for the bus. Um, he one time, uh, dressed down his teammates in Cleveland in his second stint because he thought they were leaving, they were leaving the visiting locker rooms in some of these places too messy. So like, and by the way, I'm not saying LeBron hasn't, you know, squeezed the abuse of power, uh, button a little bit at times, but you know, while, while McMahon's story really shines a light on what led Harden to kind of behave this way, this is kind of par for the course for these kind of players. Well, and here's, here's what I want to, this is the big takeaway I had from, story and, and, and this whole saga that has gotten us to this place, which is, um, this is sort of, you know, you can go back to the Jordan rules, okay? Um, you know, superstars, they, they have a different set of rules than other players, and it's the same in any industry, right? Whether you're the star real estate agent or the star reporter or the star player or whatever it is, like, you get to, like, if you produce and you lead to winning, like, you generally get more leeway from your bosses and just do they want to keep you happy um and i think that when you look at the rockets like and, and we, we we talked about this first when it came to baseball like when we were talking about analytics and analytics got a little too out of control in baseball to the point where like you know i remember here in los angeles we had um the dodgers and they traded away mike mike piazza and and there was that was sort of the the, the height of the analytics gone too far deal um to the marlins etc and uh I think in baseball, they kind of started to um, think like not analytics is really important, but so is culture. And that's like this one word that we use all the time in basketball, culture. Like at first, it was that I want to have the Spurs culture to make the playoffs 20 years in a row. And then it was Golden State has great culture. Then it was, you know, whatever whatever hot team that Miami. is successful. Miami, yeah, eat culture. I mean, how many stories did you write on that last year? And I think one of the things in Houston is like, I don't think they've ever prioritized culture. I don't know That's... if Daryl Morey has ever factored that into how well, he, he, he flop. It's it's hard to have culture when you flop the roster over so much. Right. right. And and his, again, the culture was whatever James wanted because they, their top priority was keeping James Harden happy. And look, you can, I mean, there are still people, the people that I talk to with the Rockets still recognize that there needs to be a, a kind of a cultural reckoning there. But there are people who have moved on who are basically like, hey, uh, say what you want, but James showed up every night. He yeah. played hurt. He produced at an MVP level. He was uh, He's a perennial MVP candidate. 
And, you know, the Rockets were a contender. And so, you know, you can argue, mm, looks bad, the optics are awful, but was it really uh, the wrong path? And it didn't result in a championship. And so there's always going to be that. You can say, well, you know, a hamstring away, that's going to haunt Houston fans forever. You know, and they'll, hey, if if was a fifth, we'd all be, we'd all have the same blood alcohol level as Harden did in Vegas. But, you know, they had legitimate chances to compete for a championship because James Harden is that damn good. And that's why kissing yeah, his yeah, butt yeah. was such a priority. And you had that quote in there from the former Rockets employee where he was like, yeah, yeah, he may have gone to Vegas on an off day. Uh, but then he came back and scored a 50 point triple double. Yeah, and right. that's Michael why Michael Jordan went to Atlantic City and then came back and had that game in the garden. I mean, well, like, Dennis Rodman is the I was mm-hmm. I saw you, you were trending on Twitter today, McMahon. Um, uh, your story was trending on Twitter, and uh, and underneath it, it said trending with Rodman. With Rodman, <laughs> right? Because it was so much like the Last Dance, where they just uh, let, well, Rodman didn't and, Rodman wasn't he didn't wasn't flying he didn't have access to private jets to get to and from. But like, look for a long time, NBA players who've had off nights in places like Orlando or Charlotte or, you know, whatever. Yeah. They slip down to Miami. <laughs> uh, you know, there's an off night in, uh, I don't know, Philly, the guys slip, slip to New York. I mean, it's not unheard of. And there's, you know, the, it's fun- there's the Scottsdale flu in Phoenix. It's that's drastically underrated. And, and then now that the Suns actually have decent personnel, they might be able to take advantage mm-hmm. of that. So I was um, talking to an executive today and I was like, well, what did you think about the way Harden looked last night just physically? I go, you know, he's he's not in great condition. And he goes, you know, to be honest with you, the rumor out there was he was way worse off than that. Yeah. We actually kind of thought he wasn't so bad. And I think that's just the point. There is there is such a demand mm-hmm. for star players, superstar level players in this league. The, I mean, if, there, if, if the reason that Harden isn't traded right now is because the asking price is too high. Uh, yeah, they, or or because the asking price is fair and they're not budging because they have time on their side. Okay, fair. Let me rephrase that. It's a fair point, McMahon. The asking price is higher than teams are willing to pay. Right it's, now. It's not because he's not desired, even with all yep. the stuff that's in this story. And it's a great story. Um, and well, one and, other, and look, if, we, if we're talking about what's really the biggest problem with the fallout here, I don't think it's that, oh my gosh, they've got to get up so where everybody shows up on time and this and that. It's that Harden pulling rank and kind of flexing his power resulted in them shipping out CP3 with a ton of picks, mortgaging their draft future for Russ. That thing was one year and blew up in their face. And so they mortgaged their draft future to get worse in personnel and actually worse in, in contracts. He's left them in a situation where you know they've basically got one hand tied behind their back uh, as they try to move on to uh, uh, eventually do a post-hardened future. Although I will point out, okay, I don't think it's as, that that's true. Okay, I think that's you know they they did whatever he wanted. Now they're bereft of assets to, to you know surround him with a good cap. But there was also a couple of moves and trades that you could look back on and say were those all about you know like the Capella trade last year? Was that all about? let's just go full small ball or was that let's not pay the tax, you know, like let's yeah, not, that's let's, fair. let's save a little here. And I, and I think if you're James, the way the situation with D'Antoni was handled, the way the situation is, it's the way the situation with um, Daryl was handled, Capella, you go back to like just little incremental moves, but like, you know, 
Brian, you and I reported on this way, way back in the day, like, you know, that, that whole Mike Miller thing and ambushing Mike Miller in Miami, like that, that was one of those, those inflection yeah, points that you yeah, for sure <laughs> for sure the rockets I, I remember um i can't remember if it was tillman who gave the interview because they were coming into the into into the, the training camp mm-hmm. or whatever it was maybe training camp but he was you know defending um their moves and i was like don't defend him to the media buddy defend him to harden okay. and that's and that's um and that's really what this yeah is that was on his on his weekly little uh cnbc thing but you know you can definitely and, and to me not even so much the capella thing but some of the things they've done to just duck under the cap you know the last few years you you can question that you can question well when have they spent the full mid-level which you know they finally this year mm-hmm. are, are set to be a, a tax team honestly the capella we'll thing the, we'll yeah see. there's ways around that um the capella thing i think as much as anything was an attempt to make the to to make the rust deal work. You you pushed all your chips in on the rust deal. You had to make that fit work, so they had to open up the floor. You know, it's kind of like the Clippers pushed all their chips in on PG, and so now it's like, well, might as well give them this massive extension, and we will see how that works. Speaking of superstars who, uh, you know, have have uh, been part of cultural issues. Well, one thing that I think why there is still going to be a, a, a demand for Harden. Is because with Giannis signing, which we've talked a lot about a lot on this podcast, and congratulations to the Bucks franchise. Uh, my story with Kevin Arnovitz, all about the background of the signing, got it buried by McMahon's uh, McMahon's big story today. But that's okay. I, I read I, both of them. I read right. so you got at least one viewer. But thank you. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, so congratulations to the Bucks. And if you want more about that, you can check out that story. But uh, you look at 2021 free agency. It's essentially been obliterated. Um, PG and Giannis have now extended. I don't think anybody actually thought that AD and LeBron were going anywhere, but they they had the option to set their contracts to be free agents if things went sideways. They signed long. Uh, Drew Holiday now, I think, is very likely to end up, not that he's a superstar, but he was a free agent to be. I think he's very likely to extend in Milwaukee. Gobert, we'll see. Um, you know, I don't, we'll see what happens there. But again, we're not talking about a, franchise changing player. The only player I think that is, you know, is going to be a free agent for sure is going to be Kawhi. And, you know, I don't think anybody feels like he's changing teams. So if you want a transformational superstar player, which Harden still is, and he will be when he gets back into shape, especially um, your opportunity is James Harden for the foreseeable future. Now, look, something may happen in February and some star player may raise his, his hand and say, get me out of here. But for now, you have Harden. And so that alone, I think, uh, you know, is going to help the Rockets' uh, position here. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts. 122 million. For your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. 
the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, well, this is actually supposed to be a Western Conference preview uh, podcast. I don't like doing previews, but Andrew Hahn, my boss, makes me do them. So Andrew um, Hahn is your boss? He is. He's your well, boss, you too. Say, is he really? I don't think yeah, he's a boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> you got Andrew. Well, Ramon, Ramona's kind of the harden of our uh, ESPN NBA staff. So <laughs> I Andrew's understand like my that. friend. Like Andrew's like, well, he's, know, a, he's a friend. Andrew is the Rafael Stone to uh, Ramona James Harden. Which, by the way, we're in partnership together. We're, we, we work together and we're partners on things. Speaking I, of Rafael Stone, Harden, you know, kind of shivved him today when, I mean, it was a, it was a really good question. You know, where is your relationship with the new general manager versus the old? And he said, I haven't had a conversation with him. And, which you is know, absolutely ridiculous given that. Rafael has been with the Rockets for Hard's entire tenure and then some. Right. You know, now basically what he's saying is I ain't talking to him now. Right. It was an unnecessary shiv, but that's that illustrates where they are in the, with the organization right Although now. I, like, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I, I think honestly, like, that's something. Okay. You know, we always play the game on the jump, something, nothing, or everything. I think it's something. I don't think it's everything because I think James has talked himself. James well, out of everything that he said today, it wasn't in the top five. Yeah. But it'd be just, you know, it made me roll my and that, and that was with Harden trying to say nothing of any interest. Right. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Well, to be continued. So I want to start uh, where we have to start. We're contractually obligated to start when talking about the Western Conference. The, the Sacramento two, Kings. The two Los Angeles teams. Oh, right. <laughs> um, the uh, LeBron and uh, AD are playing their first uh, preseason game, an only preseason game tonight. We won't know how that went uh, while we're doing this because it hasn't happened yet. But um, Momo, the Lakers, obviously, is well-known, uh, powered up, um, mm. really added some depth uh, in the offseason. They're still going to see how bringing Dennis Schroeder in um, makes uh, the most sense. But I think one of the most relevant things that I could say about the um, about the Lakers last year is that Anthony Davis scored 403 points off of assists from LeBron James. Huh. Not, only, not only was that, and, and by the way, that was in a reduced regular season. That doesn't account, you know, that doesn't account for, um, uh, I, th- I think that was just in the regular season, but maybe it's the playoffs. Um, it was more than 100 points more than any other duo. This was the most devastating duo in the NBA last year, and they're going to be back. And they have to be considered the favorites because of the way they went through uh, and took care of business in the playoffs last year. Well, I think that um, one of the big things that y'all are watching in this preseason, which we're going to get a chance to see in the Lakers game Wednesday night, so probably by the time you listen to this, we will have already seen it, um, is Dennis Schroeder is going to be starting tonight. And LeBron and AD are going to play for the first time in the preseason. Um, And... Dennis Schroeder, you know, raised a little few few eyebrows when he said on his introductory press conference that he feels like he paid his dues. He's, he's done the bench thing for a couple of years, and he really wanted to get traded to a place or be in a place where he could start. 
and I guess his agent had, had conversations with the Lakers and et cetera, et cetera. And you know, well, he's in the last year of his contract. Let's not discount yeah, that. Let's not discount that. And let's, you know, look, I, I think the Lakers made that trade fully open-minded to the idea of him starting, but the I, him, Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell running that pick and roll. Like I have visions of Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell running that same pick and roll in my head. I mean, that devastating combination that you saw last year for the Clippers, like they could totally do that on the second unit. Like the Lakers second unit could be a, you know, Montrez was number one in the, in six man of the year. Schroeder was two, Lou Williams three. I mean, they, they got two of the top three bench players in the league. And I think the idea was for them to play heavy minutes early on um, as LeBron and AD sort of ramp up into shape. But if Schroeder wants to start, that's going to be an interesting, that's going to be a delicate balance for Frank Vogel to manage because you got to keep the guy happy. He's going to be a free agent. And also he, you know, he has some hope and expectation of that, but LeBron James was a pretty damn good point guard for them last year. I don't know, Bri. Yeah. To me, the Lakers, you know, they made a major, the major difference in their team is they had two, sort of basket-defending centers, two athlete basket-defending centers. I know JaVale didn't play that many minutes, but he did play a, a role in them being so good on defense. Dwight Howard and JaVale are gone, and they replaced them with Montrezl Harrell, who is not a good defender, and Marcus Saul, who is a good defender but is not the type of athlete, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, swipe the ball away uh, off the glass. Uh, he's tremendously intelligent. He's also much more dynamic offensively. Um, but that's going to be a difference. And, and the Lakers' defense last year was their bedrock um, because their shooting ebbed and flowed throughout the course of the season. Um, so that will be a difference. And whether or not – I mean, the shooter thing is definitely something to keep an eye on. But also there is going to be a difference in their style of play. I don't think it's going to be a dramatic difference, but they aren't going to quite look like the same team that they did last year, McMahon. No, but Marcus Saul is a massive defensive upgrade, even if he's not your traditional, you know, pogo stick, uh, shot blocking type of guy, with, with, which, by the way, Anthony Davis is pretty good at protecting the rim too. Marcus Saul is probably the most intelligent uh, defensive big man in the league. You know, he's he's – not you know, not as well. Wait till go. Wait till go bear. Here you hear you say that. <laughs> uh, he's not as I said most intelligent. I didn't say most dominant. As long as I give Rudy okay. most dominant, he's going to be okay. Okay. Um, but I mean, look, that they're going to be incredibly smart defensively when you've got Gasol and LeBron uh, on on the floor together. You know, the shooter thing's interesting. I think my guess the way that plays out is they kind of give him a shot at starting before, you know, transitioning as smoothly as possible to him coming off the bench at some point. And look, if, if Schroeder wants to get paid, there's no better way than to play a key role on a championship team with the Lakers having bird rights. Like you think if he's a, if he balls on a championship team, the Lakers are going to let you him just go? said a mouthful McMahon. You just said a mouthful. If you want to go look at the history of LeBron's teammates getting paid, yeah. whether it's with your team or other teams, just fit into that role next to him, baby. It's the Matthew Dellavedova principle, even though it was proven long before that. Honestly, and this the is only a- person I think who's gotten more players paid in the NBA is Mike D'Antoni. Right, like how many of those guys running the D'Antoni system in Phoenix, or I mean, you know, so many, so many guys that's like had career years playing for D'Antoni. But I think LeBron's gaining on him, like you know, in terms of guys who've gotten paid probably above their station. But um, 
yeah, I think, look, Schroeder's going to fit in really nicely there. It's just going to be a little bit of a massaging of that situation because, you know, if you look at it from the from the 10,000 feet, I mean, the starting lineup should be LeBron, AD, um, uh, Wes Matthews, KCP, and um, who, who are we gonna, Mark, probably Marcus All. Right. Can that's, can real quick while we're talking about the LA teams, real quick, can we discuss the Morris brothers paradox? I don't understand how Marcus Morris can get sixty million, and Markeith gets the minimum. That's wild, Markeith man. Markeith with the ring. I know, but I mean, um, like, and I, and I know that Mark, you know, that you know, last year Markeith. Uh, was you know Marcus got fifteen and Markeith was you know hanging around at the end of his other deal, but that doesn't make. <laughs> I know I'm just hoping they share the bank account. Like I, how, when I, I heard that, know. I was like, well, maybe they maybe still share. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I want to know how they're splitting the mortgage payment. Well, they've kind of mocked that idea now, but um, so to transition over to the Clippers, you know the Clippers have you know trying to trying to completely turn over a new leaf about how they're last year. They spent what, six months saying, don't worry about it. We'll be fine. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh no, 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 no. Now we're pressing, you know, now training camp matters. Now everything here, you know, coming out matters. I saw that um, they did some sort of COVID safe team bonding experience um, uh, over the weekend or earlier this week or something, you know, because they did all that last year too. I remember Ulm on a boat out there and all Hawaii with them and stuff. You know? Yeah, but it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. Um, I think the back and forth shiving between Paul George and Doc Rivers has been amazing. So, you know, there's probably been more that I haven't even followed, but yeah, Paul George, content. <laughs> you know, takes a, takes a shot at Doc, uh, several shots at Doc on the Alpen Smoke podcast with uh, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those shots clanked off the side of the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> then Doc, in an interview with Cassidy Hubbard last week, says, "Well, you know, some of our new guys last year they didn't accept. Uh, you know, the other the older guys didn't accept. I mean, they yeah. accepted Kawhi, and they just oh, kept right. moving just and just you know, uh, uh, uh. so. Um, but listen, Paul just got a two hundred million dollar contract, so uh, I'm not feeling bad for him. Uh, and Doc uh, got paid too. Um, uh, I, I was talking to somebody with the Clippers, and this is before the extension was done. But I was like, "Man, I don't know. You you got your own situation there. Like, boy, I'd be worried about Paul George. I just, you know, I just the whole way things have gone for him since he's been with the Clippers. There's a lot of things that are alarming and concerning, at least what I see from afar. And and this dude's told me, oh, he's been humbled. He's been humbled. I said, really? I don't know. Did you see him on that podcast? <laughs> he didn't look too humble to me. Is that going to be a bad contract? Yes. I think at the end of it, it could be. Well, at the end of a lot of contracts are bad. Yeah. But I, well, because, like, I mean, he's had some major injuries in his career. Obviously, even though it's a broken leg and the shoulders and all that. I mean, it's, you know, how well does a guy age? I think he takes pretty good care of his body. I mean, I, I think he's... he's yeah, he's always in good condition. Yeah. He's just, he's a little bit slight. He, he you know... This, this, you know, you see players like this. Kyrie Irving is like this. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that I covered earlier in my career, Larry Hughes, was like this. Certain guys get hit and they're okay. And then another guy gets hit and he gets hurt. It's not because he's a baby. It's just because his body structure doesn't take the pounding like other people do. Some people have bad yeah. knees. Some yeah, Rajon Rondo's broken his hand like seven times. Like, exactly. Like, 
you know, and, 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 and some people worry about Instagram comments. Like, let's <laughs> let's not just skip over that. Like, he crumbled under the pressure of being a so-called superstar on a team expected to contend for a championship. Until well, they're not expected we, to until contend we, now. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, they, they're nobody's pick this year, right? Did well, it, it, if, if they're not expected to contend, then that's a horrible contract. So let me ask you this. Uh, one of the things that became readily apparent, in addition to their chemistry issues, was that they didn't have adequate point guard play. And I was one of the people that was out in front saying I thought that one of their greatest strengths as a team was their ability to be flexible, big, small, fast, slow, guard heavy, big heavy, etc. It was very clear that Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly really weren't combined together to get it done. And they were, you know, for just various reasons. Now, they did get Serge Ibaka, which was a really nice pickup, especially to replace Montrez. And frankly, the way Montrez played in the bubble, and yeah. I realized that he was compromised because of the, the terrible events with the death in his family. I, I would rather have Serge Ibaka. As great as Montrez is, sixth man of the year, et cetera, um, Serge Ibaka, you know, he couldn't even play him as sixth man because he was so putrid. Uh, defensively. You could even make an argument that that is actually going to benefit them playoff-wise. But their inability to deal with that point guard position, I wonder if that's going to come back and really hurt them. And it's not even just from a schematic standpoint, but I don't think it's a secret that Kawhi would not have minded an upgrade there. Brian, they have two better point guards on their coaching staff than they have on the team. Yeah, Chauncey and, and, Ty Lue. I mean, I'd put both of them. I, I'd, I'd put Chauncey out there right now. He still stays in shape. I mean, like you, what they need is a point guard to organize the offense and get Kawhi and Paul the ball in spots that they are comfortable with. They need to take pressure off of those guys yes. to have to create. Yes. Yeah. Kawhi's never been on a, in, a, in a role where he has to play that LeBron role. Like, I mean, last year, LeBron basically was point guard because the Lakers didn't have one. And he took that on and was great at it. I think he's always been able to take that on. The question is, can you ask that of him? That's a lot on his shoulders and also to play defense at a high level like he did last year. But Kawhi was put in the same role. Um, one, he wasn't there as much. He, he load managed a lot more. And two, I don't think that's his skill set. I don't think he can, he can get better at it. I think that he did get better at it, but that's just not him. And all of Paul's criticisms of, of Doc, to me, I think it's less about Doc and more about they didn't have a floor general out there getting those guys in spots where they're comfortable. Like, like when I saw Rondo available, I just kept saying, I was just like, man, the Clippers got to go get him. They got it. Like, that's exactly the guy they need, you know, or just somebody of that caliber, Rick, whether it's Ricky Rubio or so. We saw, we saw a lot of point guard. Yeah. You know, Rubio was rumored there, and I think they did some yeah. background on him, but I, I checked on this. And after the Thunder acquired Rubio, you know, he became available again. They ended up training him in Minnesota. The Clippers didn't call. The Clippers didn't call on him. Well, and there's they, other they point guards to... out there, right? There's yeah. are, there are other point guards that could move. I could see Terry Rozier moving. Um, I could see Patty Mills moving, depending on how those teams do, right? Especially in Charlotte where, um, you know, they have they just drafted LaMelo and they've got a crowded back. Even, I'm telling you, even like George Hill. Yeah, even a George Hill type. Uh, you know, so I got to believe that the Clippers are going to uh, do something with that point guard position. The problem is, is that that Beverly contract that's not an easy contract to move. And while while there's a lot to like about Patrick Beverly, his limitations and that money, I think it's twelve million a year. It's 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 not it's not it's not as simple as just trading him out. And I, and I do think that that maybe played into a role as they looked at 
can they move Beverly to upgrade that position? And, and they weren't able to find something they were comfortable with. Well, so, and, and it's no secret they shop Lou Williams as well. And I think that's about trying to find a better fit on the floor. And, you know, when you talk about the old guys didn't really embrace the new guys, I mean, <laughs> Lou Will's kind of front and center uh, of the old guys. I, I would recommend that they give a call to mi amigo Jose Juan Barea uh, after he spends Christmas in Puerto Rico for the first time in a couple decades. He definitely would love to play basketball this year in the NBA. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. All right. So now I want to talk about what I think is the most uh, fast-rising team in the West, and that's the Dallas Mavericks, another uh, McMahon team. Now, uh, they, they, they made some changes to their roster. Um, the big one was bringing in Josh Richardson. Um, by the way, I, I was talking to a scout um, McMahon and uh, I was said, you know, I know we've seen very little, but I said, which rookies are impressing you so far? And he mentioned Josh Green defensively, the guy the Mavericks picked up in the first round. He thought he was doing pretty good as a defensive wing. Well, um, Rick Carlisle said as much as well, but I believe that Rick will give a rookie significant minutes when I see it. <laughs> Fair. Um, Porzingis is the is the X factor here. Uh, what do you think, McMahon? Uh, February ish. Well, um, he's going. He's going to really ramp up basketball activity uh, at the beginning of the next month. He's hoping that it'll be, you know, first half of January. I'm going to say we will see. Uh, you, typically with a Porzingis injury, if you take the over, you're probably going to hit on that. Um, but no, that's absolutely the biggest question. I like what they I think Josh Richardson, I, that's a move where I think Seth Curry is a much better fit for Philly. I think it was a good trade for Philly. And I think Josh Richardson's a great fit for the Mavericks. They needed a, a, another guy in that starting lineup who is a really good defender, could guard multiple positions. He will always take the most difficult defensive assignment in the backcourt. And I think, much like Tim Hardaway Jr. last year, watch Josh Richardson shoot the best three-point percentage of his career because Luke is going to get him a lot of catch-and-shoot, test-the-win type of wide-open threes. Um but no, the, the question about the Mavericks now, and especially now that Giannis is off the table, uh, any possibility of Giannis moving forward into the future, the big question about the Mavericks is, can Kristaps Porzingis be the number two guy on a championship team? Will he be available, and is he good enough? Those are the questions, because you know Luka is absolutely good enough to be that number one dude. I would wager the Mavericks getting another big time player in the next two to three years who are just going to want to be with Luca. They have cap flexibility. Okay. It may not be through free agency, but there might be somebody who says, I want to play with that guy. And um, so I'm pretty bullish on their future. That's not exactly a hot take with Luca Ramona. Um, 
both Tim Hardaway and uh, Josh Richardson are potentially in contract years, highly motivated. Um, uh, Dwight Powell is back from his Achilles. Uh, Jalen Brunson back from his shoulder injury. Um, this team has stuff going for it and they have movable contracts. Uh, if there becomes a player available mid season, they have a bunch of mid-sized contracts and even, you know, Hardaway's contract is up there. They could get frisky. James Johnson. Yes. To uh, James Johnson, to use the Zach Lowe word, they could get frisky if the trade market develops for them. I, you know, Obviously, they were saving that cap space for Giannis. Not going to happen, but um, they're upwardly mobile with their roster, I think, too. Yeah, you know, as you were talking, I was just flashing back on part of the Woj pod where um, the Mavericks really wanted to draft Giannis. They had the chance to do it. You know, Donnie, Donnie was really high on him, and he just they had they had other priorities. I think they were clearing cap space for Dwight Howard. Remember, yep. they were trying to. And it was, it was pennies too, to move down from 13 to 16 to 18. I mean, it was thousands of dollars, but yeah. Yeah. That'll just be one of the great sliding doors moments um, in NBA history. Like the Mavericks are, you know, really to me, like they're one of those teams that they've just been one player away for a long time. You know, whether they had Dirk and it was just, can you pair him with the right cast? They, They finally got it one year. They finally got that right, but they do have that player again and they got to get it right because you have Luke at the beginning of his career. You have several years to, to find this right mix. I, I think you're right, Brian, that they are the type of team that, that what we see at the beginning of this season may not be who they are at the end. It rarely is with the Mavericks. I mean, they, when, when they have a chance, they have proven they are going to be aggressive. So the other team I think that is uh, we could see make a, a jump in the standings uh, in the West are the New Orleans Pelicans. Um. So I was told that Zion and, you know, I don't think that they really wanted to publicize where he was physically when he came back to the bubble. But I, I have heard that it's in excess of 25 pounds that he's lost um, from where he was in the bubble to where he is now. He's not uh, svelte by any stretch of the imagination, but um, he definitely is moving better. Uh, and one of the things that we already have seen now, look, we've had very little sample size. His free throw shooting form looks like it has improved. Now, repeat myself, very small sample size. This is a guy who shot 64% as a rookie. The way to deal with him in the paint was just to foul him, just to hack him. Um, he went 10 of 11 in his first, uh, his first game at the line could be an outlier, but if you watch his form, it looks better. Uh, he's tremendous at catching the ball and finishing, in the paint. Um, and then you have Brandon Ingram who is matured into a big time, uh, you know, a big time scoring threat on the perimeter shots improved a lot. Those two guys, one inside score, one outside score. Um, I know that they, you know, they traded away drew holiday and that's going to be a loss for them. But, um, Steven Adams as a, as a rugged guy on the interior, they still have JJ Redick. Um, this is a team that finished, I think 12th last year when it was all said and done. I think they are ticketed to move way up uh, uh, this year as well. Yeah, I, I like them, and I really like the addition of Stephen Adams because, to me, when I watched Zion last year, I was like, oh, people are just going to treat him like they did the Shaq. They're just going to foul him every time, try to hurt him, try to muscle him with the idea that, like, you can't call it every time. And I, the one thing I really thought they needed was an enforcer, just somebody to get Zion's back, some tough guy, and, like, 
I don't know if there's a better top guy in the league than Steven Adams. Yeah, uh, David Griffin, he he he's wanted him for years. He might have overpaid for him a little bit. He gave him a first and two seconds. The center market was not exactly competitive, but um, uh, and then he signed with an extension. He really, really wanted him. He really wanted Stephen Adams. So, yeah, we'll I, I think that obviously the number one thing with the Pelicans is Zion's durability, but also the continued development of Alonzo Ball, who quietly I thought took pretty significant steps forward uh, last year. You know, he he obviously shot the three ball. Uh, a lot better, but look, I mean, there was a time when when Lonzo was coming to the league as a rookie. We thought this was going to be a multi-time All-Star type of player. He's only 23 years old. Uh, there's all right, you know, he's already a damn good defender. Uh, I mean, sees the floor unbelievably. Uh, you know, there's I think there's still a lot of upside with Lonzo Ball, and and if he takes a leap forward, you know, the, I will say this. For the Pelicans to take a leap forward, Lonzo has to take a leap individually. Um, all right, so the team was in the Western Conference Finals last year, Denver Nuggets. Um, there's some computer models out there that do not have the Nuggets finishing in the top four. Um, now, granted, the West is going to be compacted. We know this. Um, I think Jamal Murray and, and Nikola Jokic are a one-two uh, punch. Um, and then you have the X factor there is what is Michael Porter junior do does he make a step in his third year really his second year of playing um is that something they can do now they they lost some talent um but um you know they they still have their big swinging guys and i gotta figure that they're going to be i i just don't see jamal murray not following that springboard that he had in the bubble he was so good and a, a big factor for them also will be Gary Harris, who, frankly, they tried to trade several different places over the uh, over the over the offseason. But when he plays well, he's a very big difference maker for them. Um, and in you know he says he's healthy, so we'll see how that plays out as well. McMahon, I got to figure Denver has to be involved in this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and look, were they a surprise? Uh, Western Conference finalists, yeah. They came back from 3-1 in the first round, came back from 3-1 in the second round. But they have a you know a perennial all-NBA centerpiece. And you know I, I still need to see proof that Jamal Murray can be that level of superstar on a consistent basis. But we damn sure saw flashes uh, in the bubble. And he is, he is absolutely a cojones factor, uh, you know, first-team candidate. No question about yeah. that. And then I think the Nuggets are a team that, you know, if they if they want to get in the mix for James Harden or another superstar, they have the pieces to do it. Like I, I promise you this, if if they're throwing Michael Porter Jr. Uh, into a deal, it'd, it'd be very easy for them to make some salaries match. Gary Harris, Will Barton, whatever, you know, they're they're that could they can get a conversation started very easily. From what I understand, the ask out there for the Rockets is they they want a star level player, either on his rookie contract, um, or signed to a long term deal. So Ben right. Simmons type, Michael Porter Jr. type, Luka Doncic, right? Ha ha ha. <laughs> uh, Zion Williamson, uh, obviously not going to happen. Tyler Hero, plus 
a bundle of picks. I mean, I've to be honest with you, I've heard four. I've heard they asked for yes. four. Now, they, no, look, they saw Drew Holiday got three picks and two swaps. They're not they're not selling for less. And I'm sure if they're talking to Denver, they're trying to get Bowl Bowl and you know, like. But yeah, they're asking for a a big old bundle. I I, I keep referring to it as a as a Drew esque picks package. Um. Okay, Drew esque. <laughs> like well, but you know, you know RJ Hampton. I'm sure they'd ask about. Yeah, look, you you have you have a couple of recent trades where the team trading away the, the star player has gotten a bundle. Whether you want to talk about the Paul George trade that the Clippers made um, or Drew Holiday, but both of those things had two very important things in common: is that they weren't trading a player to start a new team with or a foundational piece or anything. They were trading a player to help that team either sign a superstar free agent or retain a superstar free agent. And so, therefore, and I, I think San Antonio is the team that, that started this trend, which is they called up the Lakers and they said, hey, you know, you're not just trading for Kawhi Leonard, you're trading for the, the – Oklahoma City. You said San Antonio, you meant Oklahoma City. No, no, City. I, meant, I meant San Antonio all the way back oh. in the day. When San Antonio called the Lakers and they were dealing with them on Kawhi Leonard, remember it was the year before LeBron signed there, um, I think there was a belief in the league that LeBron would not come alone. Right? There was this idea that would, would LeBron leave Cleveland, go to the Lakers with all their kids, and with, without right. having another superstar there or somebody who could become a superstar. And the Spurs preyed on that. The Spurs said, hey, you're not just trading Kawhi. You know, trading for Kawhi, you're trading for LeBron too. And and that 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 is the leverage that I think Houston needs. So, you know, Milwaukee was an interesting discussion. I never thought that was a realistic possibility if that would have helped keep Giannis or get him to sign. Yeah, I, I mean, let me let me just it. say I, I can say with unequivocal doubt, with with, with unequ- unequivocally with no doubt, I know that there's been a report that the that the that the Bucks are on Harden's list. I don't even know how that trade would work. To be honest, it was with you. it was news to the Rockets. Okay, the Bucks are not interested in James Harden and uh, and Giannis, who very famously. <laughs> um, wouldn't pick him for the All Star team last year. Uh, Giannis might team. light that contract on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that was the first time I realized that Giannis had that sense of humor and that he was willing to say things like that. Like when when they said, "Why didn't you pick James?" He said, "I I want people who pass." I was like, right. "Whoa!" I did not know that Giannis said things like that. Right. Yeah. I I will say, you know, I'm talking about the Nuggets as a team that has the assets to get in the mix. The Nuggets also could very well look at this and say, Jokic is 25, Murray's 23. Like, we don't need to be in full-blown, you know, win-now-or-bust mode. I mean, I've heard— We can grow this thing and and let these guys develop together. I mean, I've heard that Tim Connolly has told other general managers, Michael Porter Jr. is untouchable. Now— I guess that's a fluid thing, but I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ben Simmons is untouchable until he's not, right? Well, right. But I'm just saying, like, I Roddy Boubois was once untouchable for the Mavericks. <laughs> Cuba went on the record Bubois. with that. <laughs> that was a hell of a pull right there, McCann. Uh, <laughs> Roddy B. Um, it is funny the way guys uh, latch on to young prospects, and um, so a team that I think had a really interesting off season. And I really just don't know where they're going to to turn out in the fray. Are the Portland Trailblazers? Um, you know, they were a horrendous defensive team last year, and um, they, you know they they had some they had a moment against the Lakers, but it just became apparent they had no prayer 
of defending that team. And, and they would have had similar problems elsewhere. So Neil O'Shea, their GM, really went in to try to get some defenders. He used two first-round picks to get Robert Covington. And then he got Derek Jones Jr. out of Miami, who has terrific athleticism and great defensive instincts. Um, uh, they brought back Mello, and they talked, and then they also talked him into coming off the bench, which was no small feat, uh, apparently. Uh, Nurkic is now going to be back in full go. Like this is a team that I think has a lot going for them. Did, did you mean Collins? Was that was that Collins also back? Yeah. But I don't know. Well, talking about defensive upgrades, they brought back Canner. <laughs> I didn't mention him. I did not mention him. <laughs> Uh, they Neil O'Shea loves Ennis Canner. He's 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 trying. He's he signed him to a max contract uh, offer sheet that got matched, and he signed him a few years later when that contract was over. And now he signed him a third time. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he signed he him three different sign times him before he went to Boston. And I think it was one of those expiring offers. It was one of those like, hey, we need yeah, to know now, otherwise. Out. And he but he's, too long he's, to get back. He's signed. He signed Cantor three different times in sort of three different areas. Um. Where do we think this team is? Like, because again, I've seen computer models that get floated around with teams that have this team out of the playoffs. Seriously, I really like Portland. I, I mean, I thought that they last year they struggled with injuries. They they really missed Nurkic all year defensively, um, and I and I think that they uh, they kind of they really rounded into form in the bubble, but it was too late. It just you know, and they missed they missed Trevor Ariza and what he was going to give them on the wing. Um, you know, playing Wendy and Gabriel, right? And they, you know, that that hurt them. I think adding Covington's a really big add for them, and getting all their guys back and healthy, especially in this year where I think what we're going to see early on is the veteran team um, that know how to play together. They're they're, they're going to ease into this season, right? There's a sense that I, I don't I don't think LeBron and AD are going to play every night. I think they're going to look at the schedule and just say, let's let's manage this. And and same thing with the Clippers, like. Younger teams like the Pelicans, they're going to play all the time. Can, right? But the, the Trailblazers are a team that I'm wondering if they realize, like, we can't go in as the AC again. Can't do that. We can't leave ourselves in that position. Like, they, that's a team that should push. And they should push right out of the gates. And, you know, they've, they've done it before. They've, they've rattled off and had a nice regular season record with, with that group. And they know how to play together. There's not going to be a lot of changes in their style. Um, they just have a lot more depth now. So I, I'm I'm high on them. I, I, I see them as a top four team. Wow. I, I see them top six ish. I think the other guy we I don't, I don't believe we've mentioned yet, who's who's really a nice young player who fits very well with that group is Gary Trent Jr. He had a yeah. great bubble. Uh, he's he a he's a really good defender, and you know I mean he shot the lights out uh, in the bubble. If if that's a sign of things to come, that's a huge huge uh, you know young also, find for them playing for a contract. Um, mm -hmm. Now, here's a team that I can't believe we're taking this long to get to, but I, I don't know where else to put them. That's the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. And, um, you know, by the way, it's uh, it's not – I, I, I uh, learned today that it's not James Wiseman. It's James Weissman. Huh, so okay. I want to get that correct. I don't know what, what Weissman can bring to them. Historically, rookies do not impact winning. So I'm just going to set him aside. I know there's a lot of excitement there, but I just don't know what, what that's going to do. Um, Ramona, can this team can this team make the playoffs? Because I I know that Curry's going to be great. I think Draymond will have a bounce back here. He looks like he's in really good shape. 
I just think that the bar is going to be so high for them to do it. And uh, I know they spent a whole bunch of money to get Ubre. I just, I'm going to just be dead honest. I don't like their team very much. I, 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 I love uh, their top two players. I don't know about Weissman. I'm high on him, but I can't really compute him. I don't like the rest of the team that much. Yeah. So, you know, I, my gut answer is yes, they can sneak in like seven or eight seed. But then we look at, okay, well, who's out? So if they're in, who's out? Okay, I think Oklahoma City, who was in last mm. year, is out. And, and that's we haven't talked about Utah yet. I'm squeezing them at the end. Um, yeah. Um, we haven't talked about Memphis the, yet. The team that I feel like is probably, I mean, I could see them go all the way out, and especially if they trade Harden in the middle of the year. Um, I, so those are two teams that drop out. But you have the Pelicans. I think they're in. You have the Grizzlies, who had a great year last year, and they just barely missed. Okay? So I think they're in. So Boy, I, what other I mean, teams? You haven't, you haven't talked about the Suns yet. You haven't talked about the Suns. So those three teams, I'm higher on those three teams than I am on the Warriors, aren't you? I I like what the Grizzlies are building. I think it's premature to assume they're a playoff team, especially with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. starting the season out. Justice Winslow is still hurt. Still has yet to play a second for the Grizzlies. Um, and, you know, again, the, the Pelicans, we talked like there's a lot to love about them, but they ain't done it yet. And, you know, the, right. the Warriors say what you say what you want. You know, they've still got some some dudes who have not just playoff experience, but multi-championship experience. And if if Steph stays healthy. I have a hard time seeing the Warriors not being a playoff team. And I know they look terrible in the very short time that he played last year, but we're still talking about freaking Steph Curry. Yeah, and they I also know, have a lot more depth know. this year. Like these are these are these are gonna be like I can't even believe I'm gonna bring up Brad Wanamaker as a as a as a factor here. But like just well, adding sure. a guy like that. He's a he's a player for them now. He has they have some depth yeah. on that bench. And like I, last I year last year I went and I, I remember I was like one of those I don't know what was wrong with me. I was I, I was like, they still have Steph Curry and Draymond, and that team went, you know, that team won 73 games, right? And, and Clay will be back in February, and I was, you know, just totally off. That was, like, one of my worst I was ever, with you. Okay? <laughs> I was with you. Yeah, okay, so thank you for joining me on the, like, we are stupid boat, okay? But, like, I went up there, I walked around their new locker room, I looked at the names up, up on the lockers, and I was like, oh, who are these guys? Like, I know Steph and I know Draymond, but I don't know any of these other players. <laughs> like, and it was very. I'm not saying there's not going to be nights where Wiggins scores 28 yeah. and helps them win, but there's going to be nights where he scores 21 and doesn't help them win. Right. <laughs> Although know, they just... really like Wiggins. I'll tell you that I'm, I'm, I'm just saying I mean, Steph and he have really bonded. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. You don't want to hear it. Okay. okay. Cool. 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 We'll revisit cool. that. We'll revisit that when Andrew Wiggins is player of the month in January. Let me ask you this, uh, McMahon, <laughs> with, with the Grizzlies without Jaron Jackson for a while, with the competition in the West, and with the fact that they know that they've got a really good future. Yeah. Could they quasi like, uh, yank the reins back a little bit nope we ended up with the ninth pick that's a shame or you know uh you know ja is so good it may not happen he may carry him in but yeah and i and you know i don't think jackson is going to be out a long time but obviously you know durability has been an issue there um i i will not absolutely say no but i also know how important 
it is for them to feel like they are building the right kind of culture there with that young group. You know, John Morant is a competitor, you know? (laughs) I mean, he I mean is you a look, stud man. They he lost. They lost stud. the playing game, but dude, that guy put on a performance in that Ooh. game. I mean, he was he he had you know March Madness. He was a stud. This is a guy who who loves big stages. Um, he he's not going to lay down for anybody. And I really think just with that young group that they have, you know, Dylan Brooks has an edge about him. Uh, Brandon Clark, I think, has a has a little bit of an edge about him. I just. I think they're going to scrap, and look, they might scrap and finish eleventh in the West just because you look at the the teams. But you know, if if they finish with a ninth, and you know, maybe late in the season, whatever. But I definitely don't think that's uh, any sort of a plan going in. All right, what about Utah? Another one of your teams, McMahon. Um, uh, disappointing, you know, just disappointing seven game series loss. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, spectacular. Um, they get uh, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich back. They re-sign Derek Favors. Um, re-sign Jordan Clarkson. Uh, this is a team that, you know, I think has some expectations attached to them, but will be hard for them to make up ground. I mean, there was, there was pretty much no difference between the fourth seed and the eighth seed. Yeah. Uh, the fourth seed and the seventh seed last year, and they were in that group. Yeah, and you know it was a disappointing first round loss, really, because they had that three one lead. Um, but it, you know that losing Bogdanovich before the bubble, you know, they lost an efficient twenty point score. That's a tough blow to overcome. I think the the encouraging thing was after the you know way too public fallout between uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, you know things between them went very smoothly. Uh, in the bubble, you know, it kind of reaffirmed the Jazz's belief that that can be, can continue to be a productive professional partnership. You know, nobody's asking, well, can Rudy and Donovan get along uh, right now? You know, the non-Rudy minutes were a disaster for the Jazz last season. That's why they paid full mid-level to basically bring back Derek Favors uh, to be the backup center. Uh, bringing back Clarkson was huge. You know, their bench went from awful to all right uh, after they traded for him last year. I think the Jazz will be somewhere in that playoff mix. I, you know, I, I don't know that it'll be home court advantage first round, but I think they'll be a playoff team. What are you? What, what's going on with Rudy Gobert and his extension and all that? Yeah, so I don't have precise contract figures. I have been told that he did not ask for the full super max. I know there's been some reporting in Utah that he did. I've been told that is, that is not true that he did not ask for uh, the full super max. I don't know what neighborhood the jazz are in. Um, I, you know, there's some, there's some, uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a gulf there and, you know, we will see if it, uh, if, if that gap is closed, before the extension deadline, before the Supermax extension deadline. Uh, he can also do a, a lesser extension during the season. You know, Gobert is is saying the right things. He's basically saying, look, I'm just going to focus on basketball. I'm excited about the season. I will say this, though. If, if there's not a commitment from the franchise in, in terms of that nine-figure extension going into the season, I think that is reason for, if not concern, at least a, awareness there. I think if he doesn't get extended, there will be a handful of teams that will line up ready to pay him the max. So the Jazz should know that. 
mm-hmm. and they should operate that way. And um, if they want to haggle on certain aspects of the contract, but I don't think they're getting, and they're, you know, okay, it's not the super max, but I don't think they're getting away without giving him the max, McMahon. Yeah, and again, I I don't have a a firm figure as far as what exactly, especially they, since they, they're, you know, at this point, like I said, the free agent twenty twenty one free agency is is exploded. You know, like if you look at the top ten free agents right. who were available, like assuming that Drew Holiday gets extended, which I shouldn't assume, but I feel like that's going to happen. You're now down to Kawhi Leonard, Victor Oladipo, who continues to not look good, but okay, he's got a lot of time left, and Gobert. Like even Steven Adams, who was on like that sort of fringe list of 10, 11, he's extended. And there's going to be teams with with cap space out there. If Gobert is unrestricted, he is getting a max offer. Yeah, if a perennial defensive player of the year candidate who's going to be among the league's leading rebounders is the best screener in the league and one of the best finishers in the league is is available, somebody's going to pay him. I just, I, I mean, maybe he's look, you know, maybe he's looking. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, I just I can't believe they're not going they're not going to extend him. But the question would be is if he doesn't get extended by the start of the season, is he going to play it out, or would he entertain doing a deal in the middle of the year? You know. Yeah, and listen, if if they feel like it's not getting done at some point, I think you ask the question of do they kind of quietly explore what the trade market might be for him? Well, now that would get very interesting. We've talked about that on the pod. Uh, Bontemps is a big believer if if he was available that the Nets should go all in to try to get him. Yeah, I I, I don't know if assistant GM Kevin Durant's on board with that. He has taken some pretty uh you know, he he's thrown some shade at Gobert on some of his podcasting ventures. Well, wait till the Nets are ranking twenty fifth in defense. Uh, you know, second in offense or third in offense so, or twenty fifth so in defense. So you're gonna bring Gobert to Brooklyn to back up DeAndre? Well, no, you know, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not, but again, wait until they're 24th in defense, you know, Hey, I'm not saying it wouldn't be a smart move for the Nets. I'm just saying, I think you have to understand dynamics. All right. We weren't able to get to all the teams. I really want to talk about more, but I'm trying to end this podcast. And the Suns fans, I'll say two, I'll say two sentences about the Sacramento Kings. What are we, what are they going to be? We should say one. I'll say one and you say another, Brian. How about that? Very excited to see what De'Aaron Fox does this year. Is that enough? I will quote the the uh, the great Jackie McMullen, who said that Hassan Whiteside is the cooler. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Go read McMahon's story. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We're sorry if we didn't get to your team, but it's a long season. Everybody have a, a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. And thanks to Troy, who's in Bristol, where there's 18 inches of snow, putting this together. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.